podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a special episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all ablaze at the moment, isn't it? Everything with the reds from the team to refereeing decisions on and off the field, there is plenty to discuss. And I am absolutely delighted to say I've got former Sunday Supplement alumni and current Sunday Times football correspondent with me, Jonathan Northcroft. Jonathan, how are we? I'm all right, Dave. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, very well. Well, mixed. Let's file it under mixed after recent decisions <laughs> and statements and everything we, we've got to, to talk about. Um, I'm guessing it's been quite a, a busy weekend. Is that fair to say with all the, the headlines and things that have been coming out? Yeah, pretty bonkers. Uh, I was at the game at, um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And, um, I mean, it was on, it was unprecedented. And I, I, it, it's one of those grounds where, um, they kick you out of the press room. They close the stadium about, well, let's say an hour to an hour and 15 after, after the game. And, yeah. um, my, one of my kind of abiding memories of the evening will be leave, getting kicked outside the stadium, um, perching on, um, a ledge, uh, outside. Uh, beside the ticket office and finishing my report and then walking off into the night and seeing four or five of my colleagues still sitting there outside the stadium with the laptops um, trying to file because it was one of those nights where uh, the developments ha- kept continuing after the game. Um, there was so much to write. And as I say, the lads were left in the, in, you know, outside still tapping away on their keyboards well into that must have been half past 10 by that point. Um, goodness knows what time some of them wow. got finished, but it was, and, and then the story kept rolling on, you know, that it rolled on and it's still developing and it already feels like this will be, um, one that we'll look back on in five, 10 years time as, do you remember that incident? Do you remember that story? It's, it, it it's already one of the stories of the season. Yeah, it, it really is. We're only eight games or seven games into the league. More for clubs, absolutely crazy. And naturally, there's a there's a myriad of things we want to go through, ladies and gents. So we'll ask Jonathan about naturally the game, everything related to to Saturday's incidents. We naturally want to talk about the season so far, and even on and off the field, things like the the investment, the the backroom situation as well. So we'll get right into it. And. Uh, I suppose it's trying not to just make this a show, Jonathan, about the the ref side. But I mean, yeah. the it, it was a heck of a game. It, it really was. I suppose maybe a, a simple question, but quite a bit to it. And I, I don't know if I'll ever ask this question again. Possibly, mm-hmm. hopefully not. 
What were your honest thoughts on Liverpool's performance with 11, 10 and oh. 9 men as well? Well, this is this is one of the big, big, big consequences and shames of, of, of what's happened because it's taken away from what was an incredible football match and I felt incredible performances from from both teams. You know, and yeah. I actually feel in, in a strange way Tottenham have lost out from this as well because... Nobody's now talking about their start of the season and their performance. I thought they were they were absolutely terrific. Um, having we all wondered how Ange Ball was going to fare once it came up against the proper test, and it came up against the test against Arsenal, and they had the better of that game. And then they came up against Liverpool, and that was an even greater test because Liverpool were so good. And I thought Tottenham were in, terrific with young, you know, a young young side that's still developing, so intense, so quick. I think they're leading the league for running stats attacking at all times um, and pushing and pushing and pushing. But in the face of that, Liverpool were unbelievable. I mean, with 11 men really good, it was like a ding-dong battle where um, two boxers just, just came out punching right from the start. No no holds barred. Both given as good as they got. I thought, um, I thought Liverpool were bang on song. The midfield was terrific. I mean, Shabozlai... I couldn't decide when it was 11 v 11. I couldn't decide whether it was Shabozlai or, or Madison that, uh, you know, was, was, was the man of the match at that point. Yeah. Both in the middle of an incredible hectic game, finding time and space to play their passes. Curtis Jones was having a good game before his red card. Um, Diaz was very sharp. Mo Salah was, was sharp. Gakpo was in the mood. I thought at the back, Liverpool were good. Um, you know, we'll get on to Allison, I'm sure. But with 11 men, it was a brilliant contest. With 10 men, I don't think I've seen a team play quite as well with 10 men against the top side. I mean, the little match find this incredible balance between taking a step back and, 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 and protecting, um, Allison a bit more, um, a bit more conservatively and yet still having so much threat on the counter attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 it was a quality of the passes, mostly from Shabozlai going up to Diaz or Salah. Um, and, and their positioning was very brave. You know, they, they, especially Mo was, was not really coming back to, to gamble. Yeah. I mean, he was there as an outlet. And then Diaz is such an important player. His, his, his ability to get forward and back the legs. Um, and then, then it goes to nine men in the second half. And even then, it became a different performance by Liverpool. The clock made those substitutions, settled into this 5-3-0 formation. And we're playing it so well that I suspect, you know, you do practice for all scenarios. And I suspect it had been worked on at some point in some session somewhere because it was, um, it was, it was so good. Um, with Canati in there alongside Van Dyke and, and Matip. Um, and, Really, that's probably the, 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 that's, that phase of the game was probably the, the worst that Tottenham played because Liverpool completely were, were, were blocking them out and frustrating them. But what I would say for Spurs is they, they, they score so many late goals. It's not a coincidence. They, they have got these levels of fitness and intensity and without really creating anything, they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until they forced the mistake at the end. I love the game, but of course, the whole thing, as I said in my match report, feels really hollow because it, a great game became a bit of a sham when um, the full story of, of what happened at Stockley Park came out. 
Yeah, it it is, and it's, it's almost like you say, it's such a shame, especially it's not been lost on Liverpool fans because you mentioned a few players there, like even Matip, I know people focus on that, yeah. that last minute, but heroic performance. Yeah. And I've got to ask you about him because we are literally, say, seven league games into the season and Alison Becker has compilations that keepers would kill for, <laughs> for you know, a season already. I mean, it, are you seeing anyone really comparable to him in the league at the moment? Probably not. I mean, he's one of those keepers that he's always good. You know, I mean, he, of course he makes the old mistake. Everyone does, but he's always good. He's always got a certain base level of performance that's, that's high, seven, eight out of 10. But he's one of those keepers that's capable of going up a level when, when he's under real pressure of like getting himself into some kind of zone and some kind of mood where it's almost like keep firing them at me. Come on, I'll keep saving them. And he was in, he was in that, he was in that, um, zone. I mean, it was that incredible spell in the first sort of five, 10 minutes after, after half time where Spurs came out, were superb in that phase. And Madison had that shot and then Son had the chest and the volley. And he was just, he was just magnificent, you know, saving, saving those and, um, and stoking the defenders in front of him. You know, the, 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 particularly him and Van Dyke have got this great kind of, symbiosis where they feed off each other um yeah and he was heroic he didn't deserve to be on the losing side of course and and you know he he's he's one of the the kind of many people that have been sold short by 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 what happened yeah absolutely i think i think we said as liverpool fans a lot of us it, it does feel that even in defeat because of the the way things happen the the manner this could be a real sort of siege mentality, like a real moment, as it were, so mm. to speak, for us. So a lot of positives to to take from there. But you know I'm going to – you knew I was going to no. get on to this. It's the one point. The one thing that we can't really see is the positive. And I know, like you said, you're doing your, your match report late and obviously we'll try – we'll break it down bit by bit. But what are your honest thoughts on almost the – and I'm putting them together here – the Diaz mm. decision and maybe more importantly – the actual explanation and the statement from the PGMOL. What I mean, I bet that was almost a, a load of grenade trying to write that story when that information came out. Yeah. Look, it's unprecedented. I, 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 I don't think there's ever there's been quite this kind of mistake before, and I'm, I'm sure there won't be again because it, it was a really odd one. I mean, to wind it back, in the moment, it looked like a goal. You know, then you see the... Um, the replay in the press box, and it I, it confirms it's a goal, but the goal's not given. Now, at that point, because it because the evidence was so clearly look that looks like a goal, and you, it it was one of those that actually you kind of fool yourself into thinking, well, there must be some kind of conclusive bit of evidence that we're not seeing yeah. for them to go against what seems obvious. So, it, you know, I, I, I made the assumption that the Stock, Stockley Park must have, must have had a still, a camera angle that we weren't getting that TV didn't have. And that does happen sometimes, you know, and, and, and everyone moves yeah. on. Um, then the match finishes and we've, we've all filed our reports and, and there's a, there's a, there's a word that PGML are about to make a statement. Of course, you, your mind winds back straight away, right? It's got to be about that decision. Oh my goodness. Um, so th- I mean, the thoughts would be, and th- there's a lot to unpack here. Um, 
because I think this goes beyond this individual decision and we should really talk about the process and VAR itself. But as I understand it, the explanation would be given that what happened here was Darren England and his team on the pitch have, 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 have given offside. So the linesman's given offside and Darren England's blown for that. Sorry, not, not, sorry, Darren England back in, back in Stockley Park. Sorry. So the, so the linesman's given it and Darren England back in Stockley Park has in the moment somehow decided that a goal has been given and Dan, <laughs> and Dan Cook, his assistant, who's supposedly one of the best VR assistants, and he's an offside specialist, he also decides that a goal has been given. And in the referees are under a directive to keep play flowing more quickly. So Darren England tries to make a very quick decision and just says, check complete to Simon Hooper, the referee thinking that he's just approving, rubber stamping the goal. And Dan Cook, the assistant, doesn't intervene at that point. Now, maybe um, maybe England has, has communicated his decision very quickly and Dan Cook's on the back foot, but whatever, he doesn't intervene. Nor does the technician in, 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 in the VAR room. So that's three PGML officials who have collectively had a, an almighty brain fade and yeah. thought they're approving a goal. And then we're led to believe two seconds later. So, I mean, Spurs play quickly, as I said, so they want to get the game back under process as soon as possible. So there's only two seconds and the game kicks back off. And at that point at Stockley Park, England and his team realize, oh no, it wasn't a goal hadn't been given. It was an offside that had been given. And what we've now done is we've rubber stamped an offside when it wasn't offside. And at that point, they don't, go back to Simon Hooper and his team and try and stop the game and correct the decision. And the reason for that is that the protocol, the laws say that once the ball's back in play, you can't stop it. And they've, they've gone with that in the moment. But by doing that, they've ignored justice. They've ignored priorities, which is getting things right. And they've been unrealistic because it would have still been possible to to stop the game. It would have been unprecedented. Yeah. It, would, it would have been very messy. In the stadium, there would have been an outcry. Spurs fans would have been, what? But at the end of the day, and, a, and maybe a new precedent would have been set, but at, at the end of the day, the correct decision would have been made. And I think what Liverpool fans and, and Jurgen Klopp and his players, and actually I think everyone present is struggling with, isn't the fact that someone's made a mistake? I mean, it's an unbelievable mistake. As I say, three people have got the wrong end of the stick, and that's pretty, pretty damning in itself. But okay, I think we can all accept that basic mistakes can be made at some point. It's the process. It's the fact. It's not correcting it. It's not stopping it in the you know when they could have done. It's almost just trying to get away with it. That's the impression I'm left with. We made a big mistake. Oh, let's just get away with it. It's not stop. It, 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 it's just not basically prioritizing getting things right. And, you know, there's an old sort of saying in, in journalism in terms of stories that the cover up is always a bigger story than the crime. And that, that's what it feels like now. Now there's, there's much wider points we can go on to 
like VAR itself. It's, I think it's, it's, it's important to say here that the problem isn't the technology. Okay. The technology showed that Diaz was, was very much on site. Thousand percent. Yeah. Even if they'd been automated VAR again, um, that wouldn't have changed things. Automated VAR would have, or sorry, automated offside would have simply shown what we could see with the naked eye that he's on side. It's the, it's the human being applying that evidence in yeah. its communication with the referee. That's the problem. Now, this has been my issue with VAR all along. This isn't, I'm not changing my opinion based on what I saw on Saturday. I felt this pretty much since it was implemented. And in terms of full disclosure, I was, I was a supporter of it coming in. I thought it would improve things, but it didn't take me long to think otherwise. And I've been saying this for a long time. We are never going to get away from human error. We're never going to, it's always going to be yeah. subjective because at some point a human being is going to be making these decisions and is going to be, um, administering the process. So if we're, if we are always at some point, no matter what the technology, going to live or die by human error. I would say, what's the point of the technology? Because it disrupts the game so much. It's affected the fo- football matches in so many different ways. Um, goal celebrations, stopping the play. It's VAR, which contributes to these 12 minutes of stoppage time that we're now seeing, and that's got implications. Sure. You know, everything is changed by having VAR. And we were told that the price would be VAR, that the price we'd pay would be worth it because VAR would help us get things right. But it's not helping us get things right. It's if you speak the PGOML, they will say, "Yeah, but it's improved. It's improved decision making because we used to get ninety six percent right, and now we get ninety seven point five percent right." And I'd say, "Well, is that one point five percent? Is it worth it?" And if we are, and just to end, if we are going to keep VAR, and I wouldn't, then we've got to look at the process, and we've specifically got to look at communication and I would broadcast the, the the conversations between VARs and referees so that we could all hear them and we could all have confidence that at least we're getting the full information of, of what has gone on behind the scenes to arrive at a decision because that's what we're now left with. We're, we're left with thinking how on earth did this happen and that just stokes anger it it erodes it, it, it confidence in the process even further so at the very least let's broadcast those conversations let's have Darren England talking to Simon Hooper and you know what if if they did broadcast those conversations I think it would it would focus the minds it would sharpen the minds of the officials and it probably would help them get things more correct because they would know from the moment the decision-making process started, the world's listening to this. We better get this right. So I actually think it would improve the fan experience, improve our confidence in it, and it would also probably improve decision-making. See, I agree with all of those points. And I, I actually think, and I, and I could be wrong on this, I did want to discuss this with you. I, mm. I have no doubt you've seen Liverpool's statement that came yeah. out late last night. Yeah. And... The world, especially your world, has a myriad of opinions and takes on that statement. But the the things that I really focused on in the the statement is naturally when Liverpool leave that, almost jump into the end, that last paragraph of exploring their range of options, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. key words like significant human errors, not acceptable. But maybe the, the one word I thought that 
really stood out for me, or the phrase was they took, and they said clearly the need for transparency. That's now, right. the, the way I'm seeing it at the moment is that reading different things. I think this has got lost in a bit of tribalism, which a lot of things in football, as we know, are rooted in <laughs> people saying, how far back do you want to go? You know, the replay like, I think I've not heard one Liverpool fan, player, staff member asking about a replay. I don't think that point's being missed no. completely. What I also, and, and I'm almost asking it as a series of questions to, to see this, like, why can't we ask if this process is fit for purpose? Why can't we ask for yeah. that transparency, that audio? Why can't we ask for that rationale mm-hmm. that, and even, a, and, and this isn't trying to sort of single him out, but obviously the responsibility is always going to sit with the people of the top. Why even does it have to be Howard Webb himself that does the review into all this? In what yeah, kind of walk of life do people do an inquiry into themselves, if that makes sense? I know that is a, a rapid gunfire of questions at you and a lot to, to unpack there, but honest thoughts on that? No, well, well, they, I mean, yes, you're right to say that Liverpool haven't said they want a replay, you know, but they, but they, but what they've said is they want more than just an apology and more than, more than an explanation that, that comes, really comes down to saying one person made a mistake. You know, what Liverpool's saying is, yeah. right, this, this is more than that though. This is the process. This is the system. This is how um, PJ, PJ MOL are operating. This could be their culture. You know, why did why did Darren England feel that he couldn't stop the game? Is there is there a culture where that are they afraid to admit mistakes? Are they too focused on let's get things moving quickly? I don't know. Um, I think you the point about Howard Webb conducting the views a correct one. Um, by the way, I think Howard Webb is the right person to lead the, the referees. And I, and I think what should maybe has got lost in all of this is he's only been in the job six months. True. And he is, he has made big improvements already. And he has made big improvements with communication. Now, what we're left with, Peter Walton wrote an interesting article in the Times saying that one of the issues here is the low quality, the, the, the small talent pool and the low quality at the moment of um, VAR officials. And, and he said that actually comes down to the previous regime and Mike Riley, where, um, they did, they took their eye off the ball in terms of training and promoting and, and planning who are, who are going to be our video assistants of the future because it's a specialized job. So they didn't, they, they haven't provided a sort of stock of, of real skillful specialists here. So then you get people like England who is actually just a referee. Almost being, it feels to me like they're given the VAR duties either as a punishment because they've made a mistake the weekend before, or as a kind of half of a day off, or because yeah. they're too old to referee anymore. Do you know what I mean? It it, it feels like a, the kind of consolation prize for a referee instead of being a specialism. So there's there's all of that, and I think I think what Liverpool are trying to do is open up um, all of these questions and say Let, we've got to look at the whole thing here. And I do understand that point that, that opposition fans might make and say, oh, where, where do you want to stop? All of our teams are, get, are, are victims of, of bad decisions and that that's correct. But this is unprecedented. I, I, I've been a footballer for a long time and, and this, this isn't a, this isn't a, a situation where I, I can, I can sort of say, oh yeah, well, the same thing happened in blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is an unusual situation. And I think it's right at this point to question everything and ask, how the process is going to work going forward. And, and I do think that keyword transparency is, is a starting point for all of that.
I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it will be interesting. I'm, I'm almost going to use your line here. It does feel like, rightly or wrongly, this could be almost a, a line in the sand. That yes. this, this is not going to go away anytime soon. This is going to develop and rumble on, shall we say. And, you know, with Monday yeah. Night Football beckoning, I can well guess what the chief topic will <laughs> be on. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, we do want to talk as well about the Reds because as, as a sort of an outsider looking in. I mean, for us fans, it's been, it has been a positive start to the season. I mean, we, we look at the table, 16 points from seven games, three games, amazingly, we've played with 10 men or less. And, you know, that's the first defeat. We're into the fourth round of the Carabao. You know, we're 100% in the Europa. It's only two points off City with everything that's happened at this stage, which doesn't look that bad. Um, and, and again, I'll kind of ask, ask you this slightly later, but... From an outsider looking in, thinking as well, some of those aways have been to the likes of Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle, Wolves, never easy to go to. How would you sort of rate that start to the season against what you maybe expected Liverpool to be at this stage? Yeah, it looked for ahead of schedule for me and listening to Klopp after the game, um, he wasn't actually that angry. You know, I mean, he was, no. he was, flabb- he was flabbergasted. <laughs> he was... He was absolutely bemused, but he wasn't angry. And and I think one of the principal reasons was what he'd seen from his team. And he said, I learned so much about them today. And and what he's trying to tell you there is, this is very much a team in development with a completely new engine room. And this was the biggest test they've had all season. And it's the job of a manager to look beyond results sometimes. Um, In fact, I, 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 I interviewed this week a guy called Alex Muzio, who is the... um the owner of Union St. Gilwas, who Liverpool are about to meet. Fascinating bloke. Um, he is, uh, he, he's close friends with Bright, the Brighton owner, Tony Bloom. He's a stats wizard. Uh-huh. He's, a, he's a sports analyst. Um, really interesting mind. And he said, he said, do you know what? Predictively, a team's performances in the opening phase of the season are actually more important than the results. He said, if you want to know League position, final league position. It's if you look at the early phase of the season, it's the it's the underlying stuff that is a better pointer than the actual points that they're accruing. He said once once you get the end of the season, it flips over and it just all becomes about the results. But in the opening phase, it's about 
how you're performing. Now, on that basis, Liverpool are performing extremely well. And even though there were no points from Saturday's game, the underlying stuff was 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 excellent, and and I think that's why Klopp was so pleased. And 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 I think, you know, oh, the defense looks like it's getting back to what it should be. Van Dijk's refreshed, yeah. renewed. That makes such a massive difference to everything. Andy Robertson's had a great start to the season for Scotland and and, and Liverpool. Allison's in superb form. Um, and then you've got an attack, which is with, I mean, Diaz back is just the, it's all about ingredients and blends. And he just makes a thing. He, he makes Salah better. Huge. Um, balances it out. It, it becomes easier for the number nine, whether they're playing false nine or normal. Um, it, it's just more space because, because now you've got two people stretching on the flanks on running behind so the, the attack's working again and they're fit and, and Klopp's got great options in the middle you know it's, it's to have those two wide and then to be able to choose between Jota, Nunes and um, Gakpo is, is well Gakpo may be out for a little bit is, is, is fantastic and then to finish is the midfield isn't it, it it's that revamped engine room it looks like Liverpool have done really good business yeah um, you know all of the signings I think make great sense so Bosley's already emerging as a a, a a a star of the Premier League. What a player that guy is! I mean, what a blend he is of athlete and craftsman. You know, the passing range is fantastic. The confidence, the ball striking, but he gets about the pitch as well. Um, I think McAllister's settled in quietly, unobtrusively. Probably would prefer to be playing further forward, but um, is a great team man, as we saw in the World Cup with Argentina when he became sort of Messi's kind of him and Alvarez were Messi's kind of butlers almost and 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 he's done the job that the team needs him to do Endo looks a, a great backup in that position and then yeah. Curtis Jones has been playing so well he'll miss a couple of games now but he's been playing so well and 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 uh, and that's not a surprise to me by the way I've, you know he was flying before he got injured last year and and we don't we haven't seen much of Gravenberch yet but what a what a great um, sort of younger player to have in that mix that you know you can develop um, in someone that can probably play any of those positions. So I, it's, it's been a real bounce back for me so far um, from, from, from Liverpool, actually which started towards the end of last season, but a much better shape um, given this is still a team that's, 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 that's improving and it's young in the middle um, than, than I'd have expected. Long way further forward. Yeah, all, all positive so far. Great to hear. I mean, mm. I did actually want to ask you about Graven Birch because I know it was, yeah. and this is almost rewinding a fair bit, I know it was yourself yeah. back in around April time, broke that yeah. story that ahead of almost the summer transfer window, Liverpool were, you know, officials were flying out, you know, going to speak to Graven yeah. Birch's family, Graven Birch's party. That, and that was almost the saga that rumbled on, didn't it, right from the start of the window to the last day, so to speak, where when it finally got done. It was. I mean, we, we've seen flashes of him probably so far, it's fair to say. He's been in that Europa, that that cup team. But we, we, I think every Red's really liking what they've seen, despite maybe a few, I think it's fair to say, having initial reservations possibly as well. I mean, what expectations do you think we should have of Gravenberch sort of for the rest of the season? 
Well, because the other players are doing so well, it, it actually takes the heat off a little bit in terms of it gives him time to develop. And, you know, I always think of how long it took Fabinho to come to terms with the precise demands yeah. of being a Jurgen Klopp midfielder. So it gives him a bit of time and space to, to, to get up to speed, but he's a player with enormous potential. And yes, it was April when I did that story and it was actually in the week that Liverpool dropped out of the Jude Bellingham race. And their, their first reaction was to, um, was to accelerate their pursuit of Gravenberg and, 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 and also McAllister. So those were the two first sort of cabs off the rank. And the only reason that Gravenberg took a long time was that Bayern Munich didn't want to, they want to sell. And, 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 yeah. um, Liverpool went away. And it was only right towards the end of the window when it became clear that they, they would sell. And then, of course, Liverpool were in a, a different position, having, having already signed others. Um, but that, that, them going back from late didn't reflect like, like any sort of losing of interest. It was just the way it, it panned out with, with, with Bayern. Um, I think he can, he's still young, but he, he can be almost anything really. I, I suspect six is going to be his likeliest long-term position. Um, and, and physically kind of he's built for that. Um, but he can play, for, he can play forward. You know, he's, he, he, he can do plenty further up the pitch. Yeah. And actually, I think what we're seeing already with this new midfield is there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a greater, it's, like the players are all, they're all rounders, aren't they? You know, McAllister's a real all rounder. Shabozla, as I've said, is an all rounder. Yeah. Curtis Jones has come a long way from that sort of, um, you know, young, elusive, very creative number 10. He's become a proper all-round player as well. And I think that maybe is the new mould for um, for Liverpool midfield. They're all footballers first and foremost, you know, but they're also great athletes. They can probably rotate, they can swap around, they can do different roles. Um, and, and to be fair, that's what other teams are starting to do in that area as well. So it's just it's reflective of that. I just think Gavin Burke is is a is a modern midfielder who can do potentially do all the jobs. And the key for him will be, as I said, getting up to speed, uh being able to cope with the intensity, you know, mentally as well as physically, that he'll have to play with play at. Um but Liverpool are in a, a great position in that they're not relying on him. So he's got time and space to be sort of groomed at, at, at a different pace. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I think, I think the phrase that kept coming up in the summer, especially as we moved towards the end, was that multifunctional midfielders yeah. that they were yeah. looking at as well. That was the, the phrase. And especially with Curtis Jones, I think it'll be three games for the red card. I might be yeah. wrong on that, but the nature of it. So Gravenberch may well get his chance. And I'm not going to ask you to absolutely put your neck on the line here, Jonathan, but from the initial signs that you've seen, would you categorise Liverpool in your mind as title contenders? And I suppose there's a bit of a caveat or further to that. What would you see as a, even if yes or no, what would you see as a good season for them in that regard? Oh, yeah, look, I'll get, yes, Liverpool are title contenders. And I actually think Spurs aren't, I think Spurs are kind of in that mix as well, to be honest. And, and that, it, it amazes me to be saying that, but why not? Um, but the caveat is 
their only title Liverpool are only title contenders if Manchester City don't have one of their ninety-eight point seasons. Yeah, you know I mean, because I'm not sure Liverpool are capable of that level right now because it is still it's going to be a it's it's a project still coming together. Um, whereas we know City are capable of that, despite losing at the weekend. You know, they they they've done it so regularly. So a lot of, they are they they are the you know they're, they're the champions. It's theirs to lose. Blah blah blah. Um, but if they fall below those standards, and they may do, you know, there are signs. There are signs that they're not um, quite at the level they were. Then yes, Liverpool have got a chance. Um, not being in the Champions League does help. I know. Yes, Thursday night football, but it's much easier to rotate in the in the in the yeah. open. Especially, especially like those group stages, um, than it is in the Champions League. Um, and as much as anything else, it, you know, with, with, with Klopp's teams, you always look at the physical and mental men, uh, um, intensity. Um, and, and those are back at the levels, I think, that we recognize as being hallmarks of Klopp's top sides. You know, when, when, the, when that drops, like it did last season, um, they can come a long way off yeah. what, what Klopp teams are capable of. But those two key hallmarks are back. And then, you know, we've, I've been through the players already. There's enough players playing well. Uh, there's goals coming from different areas. Um, so why not? I, 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 if, if I had to bet on it, I would say this is going to be a really good title race. I don't think City are going to do a 98-point season. Um, and I think it would be between them, Liverpool, Arsenal and I wouldn't rule Tottenham out of it. That sounds mad. Um, but any team that, any team that keeps winning, um, coming back, coming from behind, scoring really late, no European football, young, intense. They've got a manager who's a winner, wins everywhere. You know, they'd be the outside bet, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of rule them out either. Yeah, it would be a, an in- interesting fact if it was that. And I Amazing think, to be fair, yeah. so yeah, neutrals as well wouldn't mind that because it has been a bit of a parade, shall we say, for <laughs> a few weeks as well. So yeah, it would be good to see. And the, the other bit, and, and again, I must rewind it back because I, I did want to ask you about, because I was going back to sort of the the last time we were on after that, that April, but may remember, may not, it was when sort of, takeover talking football was at its peak, wasn't it? When the United stories, when we were all as well, Liverpool, FSG had, uh, you know, released a statement. Things were starting to, as people believed, shall we say, ramped up. And yet, as we sit here today, yes, there has been investment in Liverpool. There's been dynasty equity, as they're called, taking a, a maximum amount of $200 million, which translates to about £164 million sterling up to 3.8% based on the debt. Now, I don't know about yourself, it probably wasn't what I would imagine, what many Reds expected or maybe maybe hoped for, I think it's fair to say, back from, from when those original stories broke. On his thoughts on, on that, does it feel like anything major or is it almost a bit of a, a non-story as people put really there? Uh, maybe, maybe the cat may, yeah, maybe it's a, uh... Not a non-story, but it's a uh, uh, it's probably a low-key story. Cause, uh, is it significant? Well, I tell I, I tell you what my my 
thought was that um, it was it's necessary. Liverpool needed some investment from somewhere. You know, yeah. FSG with their model um, needed to to bring some money in to fund the the transfer spending we've seen now. You know, we go into another thing. Should it be more? Blah blah blah. But there has been spending above um, what they had initially budgeted for. So so that that and and of course then there's the the stadium project. So that money has now been brought in. But does it actually change anything about Liverpool? Not really, because it doesn't. It doesn't change how things will be run, um, and it doesn't. It's not an investment that comes with a promise of future investment. This is just a kind of one-off um, acquisition of some Liverpool stock, effectively, and pumping some money in. Um, but what it says to me is that FSG weren't lying when they 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 said um, early last year. No, we're not going to sell. You know, we did think about it, but we're not going to sell, and Dread. we're gonna we're gonna stay here for the the med- not the, not forever. They've always made that clear, but we're going to stay here for the medium term. And I think that puts that to bed now. They've got the investment they needed. Um, now they can now they can move on. Interestingly enough, the Glazers at United are are, are actually searching. I, I think possibly for something similar because having wow. put that. For that well, put that having put United on the market, and then they can't get the anywhere near the price they wanted for it. Um, you know, led to believe they would they would then take uh, 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 an investment from someone of in, in some stock to kind of balance the books, and they can move on. I mean, you know, FSG will be waiting for the day when when there's a buyer and there's a price that's that's what they want, and that day will come. Uh, uh, but. I wouldn't. I think this puts it off the agenda for for a while. I think that's good news for Jurgen Klopp because he he loved he, he likes working for them. He's got this great relationship with Mike Gordon, and yeah. until the takeover will be unsettling uh, anyway. And and I think maybe it'll it, it it can just allow everyone to focus on the pitch. Um, it means the stadium project can 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 sort of now be completed, and 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 everyone can move on and. It kicks a can down the road, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. It's for any investment, any funds into the club can't be a, a bad thing in any mm. shape or form that way. And the the other off the field thing I did want your your take on it. It's a it's been an interesting summer for Red, especially from the transfer point of view. And I'm sure you've heard this name come up many a time. York Schmacker almost yeah. uh, came in as a. I, I want to get this right, because came in Liverpool announced him as a sporting director, but as he proclaimed himself in interviews to Germany, almost a, a transfer assistant to Jurgen Klopp, that Jurgen yeah. Klopp picked the players, he went and did the deals essentially, got the you know, got the credit, got it done type of thing, almost, so that was a factor. And then also the confirmation that, uh, you know, and these are his words from his interview, that even though it is a permanent role, there is an option at, you know, knowing the window closes, we can sit down and, you know, shake hands on it, so to speak, if we both want to go a, a different way. I mean, does it seem odd to you, thinking almost back to the, and you'll know all about this, the history mm. with Michael Edwards, the structure we've had. Does it seem odd to you at the moment, Liverpool don't have that, not say old school, but the traditional model yeah. they've had with the standard sporting director in that regard? Yes, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the short answer is yes, because Liverpool have, Liverpool led the way for many years in in having um, a kind of moneyball European structure 
that went beyond traditional recruitment and of course yeah. made that work so so well so for Liverpool to to now be in a position where they've they've gone old school where really the manager's got a great sort of not control but a great say over things and really he's got a staff of people around him who are helping him implement his plans that is yeah that is a bit strange in terms I wouldn't have necessarily imagined that was how the narrative was going to unfold but Jurgen Klopp is 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 you know he's he's if anyone's earned that sort of position then then he has I think at the football club I don't think it's uh it's something they want to continue with beyond Klopp but the transfers have been good this summer you know that true so the so the the process the judgment's been good I think I think Pat Linders is probably helping a little bit as well when you, you sort of look some of the, the the signings of the last that goes back actually to the Julian Ward days, but I think I think he's probably helping as well. Um I, I talked about kicking the can down the road. I mean that 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 is actually what's what's happened here because at some point Liverpool will need to get a sporting director back in place. Yeah. A proper long term candidate and, and Schmadka is is a short term solution. Um, and the, yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, again, going back to my interview with Alex Muzio, which, and a, a, a thing that he said interesting. And, the, and if you think, you know, he, Brighton, Union Gilwas are the ultimate moneyball teams these days. Incredible data scouting. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, Gilwas are top of the Belgian league at the moment. They've got a Madagascar international, a Luxembourg international. They've got a guy from Akron and Stanley, you know, look, wow. so many. Oh, there's brilliant stories, and they're finding value everywhere. And one thing Mutsu said to me was, you, you, you know, he said, he said, I can't wait to play Liverpool, blah blah blah. I can't wait to get to Anfield. And he said, I've always admired Liverpool because he said they're the one club without a unique data source who have stayed ahead of everyone else, and that's because of. Uh, and he name checked Ian Graham, and he said, I've been to his presentations, and wow, what a guy. Yeah. So you know, in, from within the geek world, there's all there's all that appreciation for for for, for all that stuff, and and um, it, Liverpool will need to get back to that, or at least you know why why not get back to that in the in the longer term. Um, what should be happening at the moment is 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 that new man is being identified, and that probably is what's happening. Um, but I'd imagine Klopp will be a bigger part of that process. Uh, then we will be a part of that process as well because it's clear it's his football club now, um, and uh, and you know it, it, it's important to him who he works with. No doubt, absolutely. And the the rumor mill will continue. Obviously, as you mentioned, Ari and Graham and Michael Edwards have got their own company set up. It's only sort of fueled further by I think it's Max Ebrill, isn't it, leaving Red Bull, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a name link. So. It will be interesting to see. And literally, honestly, got to thank you there, Jonathan, because I know we've, we've been almost all around the houses on every topic we can cover. But there is always one final question early on in the season that we ask any Media Matters panellists that join us. So on, James Pearce went Dominic Zaboslai, Neil Jones went Gapo, Ben Bosak went Darwin Nunes. From what you've seen, who do you think will be Liverpool's player of the season? <laughs> oh, what a great question. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I suspect Piercy might be right with Shabozlai. Um, 
I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say Mo Salah because he's pretty much always the player of the season. Yeah. So um yeah, we get you we get accustomed to his brilliance. Um but yeah, I'll go with Mo. He was great on Saturday again. And actually, you know, probably if we're talking about refereeing decisions, I felt um I felt he was hard done by when he, he won the ball off Romero and started going in the box yeah. and pulled back and, and there was a it was a I think he got a booking in the end for it and, and actually Play should have probably continued and he, he'd have been in on goal. But yeah, I'll go Mo. Yeah, so I'll be honest. Some people would label that the safe bet, but I think it's the smart money at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but, thanks, but world thanks. class. I'll take that. Good stuff. Literally, that was Media Matters. That was Jonathan Northcroft, ladies and gents. And that was another show for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.